This is the Marching Health audio experience. I still get like anxiety attacks when I watch that show. I mean, they moved well, but the stuff they were doing with equipment was just like, I, there was no way I could have marched that guard, you know, especially at that age. Um, right. But yeah, like stuff would always like, it could, could that fly can get away from you at any moment. So it would be mm-hmm. at like or shows and it's like, oh my gosh, like you're looking for, who, you know, who missed a hand. But, <laughs> There's, I just noticed there's over a hundred thousand views on that now. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Thanks. But, um, okay. So, well, with that particular show, um, Mike Shapiro came up with, uh, the concept, um, the floor design and, and chose the song. So, and I think he knew, you know, he knew the kids, um, he knew the design team. Um, that's going to be working and figured, you know, he was like, you guys, you know, can pull this off and you actually will probably kill this. And I love the challenge, you know, I mean, we've always, especially with the, the West Broward kids, we've always done things that are more like, like we were saying yesterday, funky, a little more jazzy, a little bit more, you know, sometimes sexy. And so this was a good challenge to kind of really take it all the way over and do a little bit more of a, a hip hop themed type of show with uh, the Macklemore. And so when he presented it right off the bat, I was like, okay, well, I have to somewhat get them moving this <clears throat> style. You know, at the same time, we're still training them. We have to train them technically to do all the, the, the technical jazz fundamentals. And so I started to implement uh, like hip hop warmups, hip hop based warmups to them early early season like right at auditions auditions were like okay we have to go this route and we would do hip-hop classes all the time and i would throw choreography at them all the time so they weren't familiar with it and i needed to see what they were comfortable with with their bodies and then so once i you know after a couple of months of those classes i got a good idea of what their bodies can and can't do when i start to talk about hip-hop you know, because I can teach a hip hop class in a dance studio and those kids will just take everything. But you can't really, some of that stuff does not translate well when you're dealing with, you know, non hip hop dancers. There's a certain swag, there's a certain dropness in a, in a role and a certain um, contraction with the muscles. So I had to find what that medium was for them that they can look good and succeed in. And then when we started designing the show, I had to be really strategic and uh, making sure that we caught, you know, certain words in the music. Um, and at the same time that there's enough content in their vocabulary to be able to say, oh, they're doing this style of movement. Um, but at the same time, there's still skills happening in there. You know, I mean, making sure that they're, you're showing their flexibility, making sure that they know how to do leaps and they know how to do turns and they know how to hold longer lines. So it was constantly, again, it's, it's, a, it's a competitive field. So you have to make sure that you're checking all these boxes, even though you're presenting this style that is not, <clears throat> that is not normal or you know, not ordinary at that point. I feel like now more people are open to exploring it which is great, but back then I had to, we had to make sure that we were checking all our boxes. 
Right. And part about what we were talking through yesterday is that it took you a while to get to this point. I'm talking years, right? For them to be able to have that skill set where you know they're going to come into the season and already be able to check some of those foundational boxes off before you could even introduce a concept that's a totally different style that would be able to elevate the show design as a whole. Absolutely. And it, and it, it got built into their culture, you know, because I like to have fun. I listen to pop music all the time. And so even when on the years prior where we weren't doing something this poppy, I would always walk in and say, all right, let's just have some fun. Let's learn this combination. And it's going to be, you know, to a song that they know on the radio. Mm-hmm. This is the radio anymore. But yeah. <laughs> I heart radio app. That's what we use. I heart radio app. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, um, I want to rewind quite a bit to more of, you know, some of the first things that you and I have ever talked about before in the marching arts. And you have in my mind, a fairly unique skill set because of the variety that you've been exposed to and that you've exposed yourself to dance wise. So you're able to go do these hip hop things or these change, you know, show genres at the drop of a dime because you can pull from a lot of different places. So talk about early on in your dance learning, how you got this wide base of creative inspiration and knowledge? Uh, I just love, I love dancing. I love moving. I hear music and I want to move to it. And I want to stay true to what that, you know, that genre is. Um, Growing up, I grew up in San Francisco and there was just so many different types of cultures around me all the time, all the time. And so I remember when I started taking classes at the San Francisco Dance Center. Um, and this is like after, uh, after I graduated from high school. So I started late, I started dancing late. Um, and I started to go to school for dance, um, but I was just more, just so drawn into the being in class. And so I was going to school, I was working part-time and almost every day I would go to the San Francisco Dance Center and take a class, whether it was, you know, a jazz class, a modern class, or a hip hop class. And I would even, I've been to like a couple of like Afro-Cuban class, just because I would walk by a class and I would see that there's a live drummer in this class. I'm like, oh my goodness. And all these women are just doing all the movement and they're sweating and, they're, and they have skirts and they're throwing it over their shoulder. And I'm like this, I just want to jump in the class, you know? And so I would just jump into all these classes and just be, I just felt like my life was being brought out to the surface whenever I was in class. Um, and so as a performer, um, I, I was obsessed with studying different things. I moved to Miami and I came here maybe 15 years ago and this was a whole new palette of movement for me. There's this whole um, Latin culture that was here. And so when I got here, I, was, I came to Miami to dance. And so when I got here, uh, I realized I needed to learn how to salsa, bachata, how to merengue. I needed to learn a samba. You know, so all these things, because they all sound different and they all have different fundamentals and different basics and different ways of moving. And so that to me was so much fun to be around all these different dancers. Um, so I think growing up, I just, I just wanted to study dance. I just wanted to move and I wanted to stay as true as possible. So if I heard music, 
I know how to move to it. And so, so you're a continued learner. And I think that's one of the secrets to what you do is that it's interesting that you say you started late. Most people see the success and think, man, he must have started really early. Um, and it just came naturally by the time he got to the Blue Devils. But you started late and you just stayed with it. You just open or knocked on every opportunity that you could to learn, which I think a lot of people get frozen and have some paralysis by analysis. And should I go learn this or that? And you just went for it in all aspects, right? Yeah, I was all, I was the first in class, you know, and, and you have to be okay with that. You have to start somewhere, right? And sometimes people don't go to class because they don't want to be the worst, you know? Well, how else are you going to pass that, you know? And, and I get it. It is scary, you know, especially when you're older, you know, like you got the ego thing going on and you, you know, you don't want to look bad. But sometimes, you know, especially when you go to a class, people always say, I don't want to look bad in class. Well, you have to remember that when you go to a dance class, every single soul in there is worried about their journey and what they're doing and their bodies. So the best dancer in class, trust me, is working on how to become better. They're not worried about anyone else. You know what I'm saying? They're, I've never seen a dancer go, oh my God, can you believe so-and-so is in class? They're so bad. That's never happened because every dancer is so focused on their own journey, you know? So people got to get that out of their minds. So I took a weekly dance class the month leading up to my wedding <laughs> and I was the only guy in there. And I remember one day I was so mortified because I was so self-conscious because I was stiff as a board. I mean, I'm used to having a drum on, keeping everything still from the waist up, having to learn how to move all this stuff was foreign to me, but some, the fitness instructor before that class had left a punching bag in the back corner. So I hid behind the punching bag and did the class in the corner and was just paying attention to the mirrors going on around me. But I wish I would, yeah, I would have had you tell me, you know, nobody's watching you, Elliot. Although I will say the last class I did, um, I, I guess the instructor was just a little excited that I was still sticking it out. And she pulled me out at the very end and said, all right, me and you are going to do this together in front of everyone. And I, I was mortified. I improved half of it because I forgot on the spot. Oh, that's fun. Well, that means she saw that you were getting it at some point. She wanted to challenge you and, and you know, and see if we, hey, let's put him on the spot. I feel like he's ready. That's mm -hmm. good. I probably went back to my old bye, bye, bye um, moves that I'm comfortable with. So. Um, anyway, more about you. <laughs> um, so for me, um, as a dancer, I, I wanted to move every way possible. I wanted to relate to music. Um, and so when I transitioned more into teaching, um, as a dancer, I had a hard time being labeled as a dancer. Well, you know, people would ask, what kind of dancer are you? And most dancers were like, oh, I'm a hip hop dancer, or I'm a contemporary dancer, or I'm a jazz dancer. For me, that was a struggle. I was, it was actually really weird. Like it made me feel bad. Like I don't feel like I belong. And so when I transitioned more into teaching and choreographing, I started to own that more. I, I was able to kind of own that. Hey, you know what? I'm not just this. I can choreograph this, this, and this. So that's helped me um, have a library of movement to be able to pull from. And so, you know, when we talk about movement, uh, especially in, the marching arts world, it's not, a, I don't think it should be a certain style of movement. I don't think it should be ballet or I don't think it has to be 
jazz. I think it could be whatever you, um, your show is, number one. And two, whatever tells the story. Because at the end of the day, movement is there to tell the story, right? So you have to kind of figure out how you want to express um, the, the character of what your story is through movement. I'm so glad you said that, that you felt like it was a struggle because that you found some strengths in what you originally thought was more of your weakness and that you couldn't identify with the group there. But you look at it five years down the road and that's actually probably what has helped you the most be able to diversify what you're able to achieve as an instructor and um, inspire young people through. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And that, that took a long time to realize. It wasn't like an overnight thing. It was, took a long time. Because even when I started choreographing, when you're young, you want to imitate the people that taught you, right? Mm -hmm. And so I did that for a few years until I realized I don't have to do that anymore. I have to just trust myself to know that I can create my own um, vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And then when you moved to Miami, that was after you had already aged out, correct? Yeah. So yeah, you're... I've already been on, well, I was already on tour the last <clears throat> a few years. Mm -hmm. and so I wanted to come to the East Coast. And so you, were, you were really a teacher at that point, but you were still carving out time for yourself to continue learning. No, I wasn't teaching when I moved to Miami. I was just dancing. Awesome. I was, and I got into the, the dance industry in mm -hmm. Miami. I was doing, you know, gigs here and there. Um, and then I got pulled back into who we had yesterday, April. Mm -hmm. Found out that uh, I was in Miami and she was like, bring him over to Braddock. I'm like this, oh, Saturday morning, why am I doing this? You know? And then I met Daniel Riley, who was uh, the director at Stoneman Douglas. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I need a movement person. So I got pulled back into, you know, the marching performance mm -hmm. world. I started choreographing at that point. So for those who maybe one director trying to fill a bunch of roles at a school or somebody who's stepping into a new role and doesn't really know where to start as far as teaching body and teaching fundamentals to their students, what basics would you give them? That you should say, hey, go learn these five or six um, fundamental skills and make sure you can really teach that. And that's the first layer of movement that your kids need to learn beyond just eight to five, roll your feet kind of thing. So you're talking about um, like marching band? Yeah. So back in, um, if you were talking about going to a marching band for the first time or being able to give them a vocabulary list to hit to begin. Um, a couple of things. I would make sure that the, the kids are okay with moving, you know, like little simple dance parties, little Zumba type exercises, little follow the leader, like step touch, those kind of things help them break out of standing still. Mm -hmm. You can get them to clap, throw their hands up, jump around, jumping jacks around the world, you know, little types of movement that let, allows them to have a sense of play even. Mm -hmm. Um, is a good way to kind of break their bodies and break that wall of I'm scared of moving, I'm not a dancer. Um, stop calling it dance class, <laughs> you know, like movement class or, you know, like let's just follow the leader, let's, we're gonna work on some fundamentals. Like, I think that students get scared of the word dance sometimes. You know, I'm not a dancer, why am I dancing? You know, so uh, 
from my experience, I feel like when I use that word, I, I feel the, the students kind of cringe up a little bit. So I was I, that student, so I get it. Yeah, I'll say, get out here, spread out. You're just going to move with me. Mm -hmm. and they'll just follow me. Um, so that's a good uh, icebreaker for their bodies. Um, and then as far as technique and fundamentals, I think learning basic key, you know, how to stack their bodies properly, how to stack their spine, how to stack their knees over their feet, just to make sure that they're staying safe is important. Um, tondu, simple tondu exercises, tondu flex exercises, allows them to be aware of their legs when it's straight um, and when it's not straight and how to point their feet, follow through and follow through and make those make sure that they know how to create those clean lines. Um, flex position allows them to stretch behind you know, their knees and allows them to create another shape. Um, and just creating awareness between those two is really important. Um, exploring lunges is a good way to incorporate um, little visual moments that you can use on the field. So lunges to the side, you know, making sure that they're stacking their knees over their, you know, their toes, um, lunge to the to the front, and sometimes back. I don't use that one as often, but you know, lunging around the world, as you would say, <laughs> um, that's always good. And then when they kind of get comfortable with that, um, maybe some releases, some fall exercises where they kind of fall to the side, fall to the center, come back around, you know, and learning how to kind of use that with breath. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, th there's a heaviness that once they get to the bottom of that release that I should feel and how to kind of come back up and restack your spine as you can uh, recover into that. Um, and being able to do that, you know, start slow, obviously, and then be able to kind of really release that mm -hmm. be a great way. Um, what else is good? Um, across the floors are always fun. Uh, sometimes it doesn't even have to be uh, or extremely technical across the floor, you know? let's just walk naturally for eight counts and then you're going to march for eight and then you're going to jazz walk for eight start start with that and then maybe do some more character based stuff you know walk for eight and then run for eight not to tempo you know now i want you to run back and forth like you're running away from someone now can you actually react with your body like you're scared now can you run like you're chasing someone it's a different feeling now can you run like you're jumping over puddles? You know, now can you run like it's raining outside? It's raining really hard. You know, those are little things that allows you to start incorporating um, storytelling to them and making sure that, hey, you know, when it's time to do a show and I need you to be a beast, then you know exactly how to kind of pull those feelings out of your body. I love it. <clears throat> so little exercises like that, um, and again, as time goes and their technique starts to get a little bit better, then you can add more technical things. But I don't think you need to be that technically sound to be able to move effectively in a show. Yeah. And get, taking the first step is the need for a lot of people. But then you look at that video we just watched and we're talking, that's the most advanced step when we're teaching that swagger that you're doing. And there's, there were all those moments and years and rehearsals and months of teaching these expressions and how to get that out of them. So talk a little bit more about once you are starting to do these things and giving them a vocabulary of feeling and an expression to pull from, now how do we get the full out characterization of the performer in a visual perspective? Um, well, kind of like 
the, what the other designers are going to be talking about is you have to kind of look at your students. Yeah? You have to look at your program um, and you have to look at their strengths. And I think you have to read what they could really do well and then learn to go with it. So looking at the West Broward kids, I knew, we all knew that they could pull out that swag. Of course, it was gonna still take more work, but I knew that they could. But if I was in a school where they're a little bit more reserved, <laughs> then maybe I will find something that is not as explosive for them. You know, that will, that'll allow them to succeed. Like I wouldn't give them that West Broward show. If I saw that, you know, they're a little bit more reserved or they just don't, they, they wouldn't know how to connect to that character or piece of music. So I think it's important to listen to the students and then find a show that's going to challenge them, but it still allow them to succeed. Mm -hmm. and then you work from there. And then, you know what I'm saying? Then you go, okay, I know the steps that I need to take to get them to there. I have a plan. Right. Because I think there's a lot of us who teach for a while and our program is making a ton of progress and then we plateau. And we're trying to figure out what's the next step. How do we... Um, give whether it's creative inspiration or just making sure we're designing appropriately or maybe it's a skill that we have to go learn as instructors to take them to that next level so you've seen the whole spectrum um, of you know ability levels is there any words that you would give for the people that are more in that middle ground of development uh, to help them get to the higher level yeah um finding inspiration is always good you know whether it's like we were just talking to Molly and Tyler and you know, the word Valkyrie for them was just so inspiring right off the bat. And so find things like constantly find things like that. I know I have like a little notes of just things that I see or feel or hear that it kind of just goes in there so that when I you know, need to come up with something or help people kind of throw out ideas. And I have my little library of things, but just constantly be aware of things that could possibly be something, whether it's a movie or you travel somewhere or you saw a piece of architecture or a bridge, you know, or a tree that looked really interesting or, you know, a certain bird, you know, it was like find little things and don't um, square yourself off into, you know, we've always done this type of show. So allow yourself to kind of be inspired. Talk to people. You know what I'm saying? You'd be surprised at, you know, if I was to sit there in a room with, you know, which I don't know if you saw Rick Subel jumped into the last call. I did. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you could be in a room and you could say sunflower. There's a sunflower on my desk right now. What does everyone think about this? because it's not your brain, it might be interesting to hear what other people kind of pull from it, mm -hmm. you know, and then go from there. Um, yeah, there's so many ways. Absolutely. So we have, you and I have talked about differences in movement for band and color guard and percussion and the different needs and challenges of each one. And you have been doing a lot of work with the breakdown camp on delivering different programs for each one. So talk to us a little bit about what um, the challenges are between having a, a color guard that you're teaching some of these fundamentals to versus having a um, actual, you know, winds, wh whether it's winter winds or whether it's a marching band horn line and um, how you play into that. 
I think, I mean, color guards have always moved. You know, mm -hmm. color guards have always been exposed to movement. Um, I think color guard movements, sometimes we try to go too fast and we try to make them too, we try to make them do these skills that they might not be ready for yet or doesn't quite work for their bodies, but we're forcing them to do it. And so I encourage color guard instructors and, uh, and movement people to work that work with their color guards to make sure they spend plenty of time on their technique. Like don't ever skip the technique process um, because that's, that's just so, so important, you know, especially for injuries. Uh, make sure you always touch up on that. And I know sometimes you get mid late season and you're so focused on getting the show done and cleaning the show that you stop doing technique. Um, from my experience, the cleaning process becomes easier when you kind of go and brush up on their technique at least once or you know every other week. Just make sure you devote a little bit of time, like, okay, let's make sure that they know how to stand straight. Let's make sure they know how to straighten their legs. Make sure that they're stretching properly and fully, you know, and not just, you know, hey, touch your toes and go, you know, do a proper warm up, do a proper stretch and let them kind of find their bodies. Because um, I, I know a lot of times, literally the end of season, we don't have time for that. We got to clean. So you got to fight for that movement, people. You got to fight for your class time. I know I've had to with, you know, most of the programs I've worked with, I, you know, have to fight for your hour, hour and a half class time. Um, now, marching band, um, I feel like marching band, uh, well, drum corps have been, has been moving, I think, way before. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as marching bands, I know that the students are younger. And so I feel that directors just need a little bit more confidence in being able to approach movement and not be scared of it um, because it's not their fault. It's not band director's fault that they don't know how to break down a plie and a tendu exercise, you know? So that, and that's why the breakdown camp came about is because we want to be able to offer a program where the kids can learn basic fundamentals in a safe space and at the same time be, off, be able to offer um, notes to these instructors and give them the tools that they would need to be able to stand in front of their kids and teach these fundamentals or follow up on these fundamentals. And so I think that's a completely different journey, you know, marching, high school marching band kids have a completely different journey than color guard kids. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what music education curriculums look like school to school, but if there's ever a room for electives, I feel like it'd be in today's you know, marching band and band director world, it'd be so beneficial if you just took one dance class, doesn't matter which one, but um, just took something so that you know a little bit more about movement. Um, if they had that option. Or if... When I was in high school back in, I don't remember, I don't remember what year it was, but um, we have, actually it was middle school, we would, they would make us do a dance class at PE. Did your school do that? Or I don't know if schools still do that. Oh, our, our PE class was a joke. And then we had weightlifting class. I'm actually wearing this. Oh gosh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> this is from 2009. <laughs> oh, how when I hit 200 pounds on the bench press for the first time oh, in my wow. weightlifting class, 
it was a joke because it was with all the basketball players and basketball players don't lift weights. They go and want to play like badminton or ping pong together and beat each other in something different. So totally different tangent. I did not have a dance class. I had a meathead class and the oh. shirt still fits because it was too big for me when I was in high school. But I think, yeah, I, <laughs> I was scared of weight training class. Those guys were scary. So uh, just this popped in my head. We've talked about this before. You've said it. You feel like doing more strengthening and working out has become a greater priority um, as you've matured in the dance world. Tell us a little bit about that because I see a lot of groups, especially younger color guards that stretch all the time and never do anything to build their members' strength and stability up. And a lot of kids are getting hurt or walking around with knee injuries. Yeah, and I think that's what fundamentals are for. If you have the proper fundamental exercises, that's building strength. Those mm -hmm. are strength builders. Um, and then you add this, you know, the stretch with that. That's where you kind of get, you maximize what it, what you want to get from your kids. Um, that's why it's it is really important to make sure that you are doing these strengthening um, exercises, fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And I text you frequently and you're in the gym or on the treadmill, you're doing something beyond just the studio. Oh yeah. Well, especially for me, cause I don't dance as much anymore. Um, especially when I started choreographing a lot, I found myself um, coming into a program and being so focused more on the students and watching them do the exercises and the stretches and the, you know, things that, I forget that I didn't stretch or I didn't warm up. You know, I forget that I didn't do it. And then all of a sudden it's time to do choreography and now I'm having to do movement and I'm trying to show them. Meanwhile, we warmed up for an hour and I didn't because I was walking around the whole time. And so it made me more prone to accidents or, you know, like pulling something or injuring myself. And so I'm trying, I'm learning even now, you know, I'm, it's not perfect, but I try to be more aware of, okay, my body needs this. I need to strengthen. I probably shouldn't dance full out, you know, or maybe I need to come to practice rehearsal a little bit earlier so that I can warm up before the kids can. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just something that we have to kind of, especially when you're teaching, uh, learn how to kind of do. Yeah. What do you think there are as far as opportunities for band directors to incorporate more movement into their day-to-day -day classes, or if there are. Because I know, obviously, we come from more of a sit-down band world, and then we have marching band, and we almost separate those two things. Are there some things where you can think of during the day that band directors could use to help students just start to move a little bit more? Do a warm-up. Do a warm-up. Do a, some, a follow-the-leader warm-up. Or, do you know, some schools do a press-and-play warm-up just to kind of keep their bodies going. Um, we had a great conversation yesterday with Matt Harloff, mm -hmm. and he was telling me how he likes to incorporate movement with the Avon and the Crown um, members um, instead of just playing the whole time, you know? Like, let's stand up. Let's stand up, and let's kind of, like, go into positions while... You have, you have these exercises, right? Whether it's scales or like long tones, learn to kind of add little bits of exercises in there. You know, can we go and bend this way for, you know, for a measure and come up for a measure? Can we go this way for, you know what I'm saying? Can we lunge forward for a measure and then come back over this way? Is there a scale series that we can do to our plie exercise or our tendu exercise? Or could we do some rond de jambes? 
outside of some of these things. So, you know, it's just building a culture, I think is going to be really awesome. I think it'll be fun for you, you know, to go, no, I need you to play it the way you know how to play it, you know, and just challenge their bodies at the same time. It's going to be a challenge for them too. I think there may actually be some opportunity for that to be easier right now if you were having to do some virtually because the students are in their room with, at home and sometimes they're more comfortable moving around. Yeah, and make that an assignment, you know? Like, I want you to take this, you know, warm-up exercise and I want you to take this movement exercise and can you put it together, you know? Well, I'll check on you next week. <laughs> send, a, send a video, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh -huh. give them exercises like that. Right. And everybody needs to be a little bit more active right now. So we're not behind screens all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> so we had a great question come in from John A. Matthews II. If we have color guard experience, but we also have a great color guard staff, I'm assuming he's a band director. Could we still give our student our dance experience? Wait, repeat that again. So it sounds like maybe he's a director and he had done or had some sort of color guard experience himself before, but he does have a phenomenal color guard staff. How could he incorporate some of his own, you know, just dance kind of fundamentals. And this may be what we're mentioning here, where maybe you're in horn arc and you're incorporating a little bit of what you know to supplement. Yeah, take advantage of your experience. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, if it's, if it's just basic fundamentals, then I say, take it, take it, because I think they will trust it more if it's coming from the band director. They will trust it more if it's coming from someone who actually plays, you know? So a lot of times I have to tell students, like, hey, I played trumpet for eight years. I know what, it, I know what you can and can't do, you know? I was, of course, I was terrible at it. But, you know, at least I, I, when I try to tell them that I, I know what you're feeling. So if there's a band director that can move and knows some of these fundamentals, Absolutely. That would be a great example for them. And then when you, when they're ready to take on more advanced stuff is maybe when you bring someone in like, all right, so-and-so from the color guard is going to show you guys a little combination and that'll be fun too. Yeah. And uh, we were talking with Jeff Young and Bobby Lambert yesterday and he's talking, Bobby was talking about how he's doing a little bit more um, entertaining music this year and how he was having to show them that he could move to the music a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the color guard instructor say, Hey, if Bobby can do it, you can do it kind of thing. So it doesn't have to be, you know, you going over basics and perfect technique cues as much as just showing them that it's okay to move their bodies. Right. And I mean, what is movement? You know, movement is not a style of dance. Movement is, you know, changing positions. Movement means location, maneuvering, a gesture, you know, developing from one thing to another. That's movement. You know, mm -hmm. absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about some things we got coming up in the breakdown camp as a whole. So tell me how in an ideal world, the breakdown camp would go towards teaching directors and teaching non-color guard people how to move their bodies. Um, bringing in um, a staff that I would trust because I've worked with them in the past. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of great instructors out there, but for me, I want to make sure that it's people that I, I know I trust. Um, if it's not me doing it, you know, um, I think creating uh, an atmosphere for students to feel comfortable uh, doing 
um, exploring their body and exploring new lines, I think is gonna be really important. Um, introducing them slowly and safely through the process of moving, um, the act of play, the act performing, you know, I think those are all really, they go hand in hand. Um, because again, like we're saying, I don't think you need to be able to do these crazy technical dance moves to be able to be a strong mover. Um, and that, I think that's so important for band directors to know when they're incorporating movement um, with their band programs. You do not have to be this huge technical band. Um, so I, I, I want, we want to be able to offer that at the breakdown camp. And we want to be able to kind of make it easy for band directors to go, okay, these are the things I have to say when we're doing plies. You know, these are the five things that I have to watch when they're doing tendus or lunges. So it's, it's not that hard once you get it there. Um, and we want to be able to kind of show that to mm -hmm. everyone. I'm just thinking in high school, if I was a performer and I had my band director go through a breakdown camp, um, learning seminar, whatever you want to do with the directors, if that person was coming back into our movement block, you know, the following band camp day and the color guard director is up leading the actual follow the leader or whatever it is. And my band director gave a comment, like just one little thing, how the, I guarantee the band would just straighten up like that because they're thinking, man, I can't slack off in front of anybody anymore when it comes to this movement stuff before the breakdown camp, I could get away with a couple things because my director wasn't looking for it now, <laughs> not a chance. Yeah. Yeah, but, absolutely. And that's a great feeling also for the directors. Right, it's a great feeling for them to go, I know exactly what you're doing wrong and I know exactly how to get you to do it right. Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's empowering, I think, for directors. And, and some of the programs that I've been working with for a few years, you know, I know like when I go to Mason, that staff knows exactly how to fix their bodies. You know, just because I've been there long enough and we've done the process and they've asked the questions and I'm like, oh, absolutely. This is what you have to kind of keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. Very good. What's a breakdown camp experience look like for a wins player, the actual performer themselves? Actual performers, um, they would go through, you know, a warm up series. Mm -hmm. They would go through a stretch series, making sure, you know, we kind of work on their flexibility as we strengthen their bodies. Um, fundamentals, basics, you know, they have to learn these things. They have to understand you know, like we're saying earlier, you know, how to stack their bodies, how to control their bodies, how to create these lines when you need them to. And then of course, performance, you know, why are we here? You know, we're here to perform, we're here to tell stories, right? And so I think it's important to take them on a journey of teaching them a series of movement and then handing it over to them. You're like, all right, you have this story, tell it to me. And mm -hmm. them kind of explore and um, create. Yeah. That's so valuable. I mean, I know as a, a teacher, when we started doing some of these things with the winter drumline, and then that winter drumline was composed of five or six horn line members who were playing cymbals or playing a different instrument, and they learned a new movement set skill, and they learned a new um, performance skill as far as we had a travel show one year. And so they understood how to express themselves. Well, they came back into horn line with the marching band that next fall. And they were all the leaders. 
They were the section leaders. They were stepping up. They were running the show. And it's because they did one thing in the whole world of marching arts opportunities. And that gave that kid the confidence where they could come back to their school and contribute even more towards another outlet for them. Now I imagine if your whole band went through that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it would take over the school. You know, you'd have a big like dancing <laughs> um, squad out there. 